Good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. It is time to worship, and I know you came ready to worship. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's say our vision together. We are a strong, growing community of faith-filled believers who live aligned to the Word of God, and we make an eternal impact in the lives of others. We want to welcome everyone that's online as well. Know that you came with your heart ready to worship the Lord. You know, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I was thinking about that verse, and I was thinking about when I received the Lord, and I received his infilling of his Holy Spirit. And I was also reminded of Isaiah 44 and 3 that said that he will pour water on the thirsty and that he will flood the dry places, and that he will bless our seed and our offspring. And I just want to encourage you with this word this morning that if you're thirsty for the Lord, he's going to meet you right there. And a lot of times we think about when we first came to him, we think about when we first got filled. We think about that feeling and the experience that we had. And the Lord wants me to encourage you this morning that you can have that again. I just kept hearing the word again and again and again for the last two weeks. And it was for right now that God said, you can have that again. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He still has more power. He's all powerful. He didn't run out of power. The day that you received him wasn't all that you can have. So whether you're thirsty on this morning or whether you're dry this morning, there is water for you. Amen. So we're just going to reach up and grab what we need from the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just begin to pull on the power. Hallelujah. That's available to us. Let's begin to stir up the power that's already within us. Come on. Let's just begin to open up our own mouth and begin to tell the Lord what you need and what you want from him. Oh, God, we're thirsty on this morning. Oh, God, we're thirsty on this morning. We're desperate for your presence. Father, we're desperate for your presence. We're desperate, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 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 Lord. We want to experience you again, Father. We want to experience you again, Lord. Oh, God, in a new way, in a powerful way, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're thirsty, Lord. We're thirsty, Lord. We're thirsty, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Fill us up this morning. Fill us up until we overflow in the name of Jesus. Oh God, fill us up until we overflow. Oh God, fill us up, fill us up today, God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you expecting to be filled up this morning? Are you expecting, hallelujah, that you're not going to leave the same way that you came in? I'm expecting, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Stirring 
when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away, washed away, Hosanna. Come you here. 
that this year you're going to see what you are believing for. You're going to see in the natural what you see in the spirit realm already. I don't know about you, but I already envision my life with the things that I'm believing God for. And let me tell you, he's already begun to move on behalf of me and my husband. As we begin to speak, as we begin to say we see our lives like this this year, he just began to do it. So I want to encourage you to get that picture on the inside of you, seeing what you are believing God for.
word of God. His word is true. Hallelujah. He said he exalted his word above his own name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
God. Hallelujah. He is the risen King. You say, well, Resurrection Sunday is next week. We're Christians. Resurrection Sunday is every day. <laughs> We've been resurrected with Him. Amen? Hallelujah. And so we live a life filled with the power of the resurrection. And this is a preview of what we'll get into next week. But in Psalm chapter 24, in verse 7, it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? That's the question that we've got to ask. The Lord strong and mighty. We just sang the song, and whenever we sing that song standing, I say the words, I'm stronger than I've ever been. Did you sing that this morning? I make it personal. Not, we're stronger than we've ever I'm stronger than I've ever been. That's a confession that we can make. Why are we stronger than we've ever been? Because we have the Lord who is strong and mighty in us amen and it says the lord mighty in battle what are you going through today is your life a battle <laughs> is every day you wake up something's going on the lord is mighty in battle lift up your heads oh you gates lift up you everlasting doors and what the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory the Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. We're celebrating Palm Sunday today, and as he rode in to Jerusalem, they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then there's an interesting verse that the Lord just brought to my uh, remembrance today and I'm like Lord what does this have to do with anything but look at Luke chapter 21 28 it says now when these things begin to happen what things trials and tribulation and things you know that are all the signs pointing to Jesus return you know all those things when these things begin to happen what do we do look up and lift up your heads because your redemption, or you could say, your king of glory draws nigh. Yes. Glory to God. He's coming soon. But he wants to enter into our lives and into our situation right now. Amen? That's why we can stand. That's why I can stand and say I'm stronger than I've ever been. And that we're going to see the promises of God come to pass in our lives in this time that we're here on this earth not when we get to heaven we're gonna have everything we need when we get to heaven everything every dream fulfilled everything when we get to heaven but we need it right here on this earth that's what this whole season that we're celebrating is about this whole season that we're observing the death burial and resurrection of Jesus is about it's so we can, Jesus had a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that today. Well, we need to live triumphantly in him as his church. That's what this is all about. It didn't just happen to him. 
We are in him. And so we reap the benefits. Amen? Well, we stay by association. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you that we declare that we are stronger. Say, I am stronger than I've ever been because of you, because of your power that's working in me. I am stronger than I've ever been in Jesus' name. Go ahead and tell that to the person on your left and right. Tell them, you are stronger than you've ever been in Jesus' name. Thank you, team. God bless you. Glory to God. Father's House Family Church. It is Nasha Barton here with this week's upcoming events and announcements, so listen up. I would like to first say happy Palm Sunday. We are so excited and elated this season to think about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we cannot wait to gather on next Sunday for Resurrection Sunday. I would like to first take this opportunity to welcome all of our first-time guests and visitors. If this is your first time with us, we welcome you. We thank God for you and we hope that you have felt the love of God as you walked into the building this morning as you sit in the service we pray that you feel the love of God and we would love if you come back and see us very soon but before you leave today go ahead and please fill out a connection card for us and turn it in during our offering time we have a gift for you and we don't want you to leave without your gift so go ahead and fill out one of those quick cards, turn it in during our offering time, and don't leave without your gift. Come back and see us really, really soon. Also, on next Sunday, we talked about just a little bit, it is Resurrection Sunday. And how many of you are excited to welcome your friends and family? I know that you have invited at least one person to come to church with you next week. And I'm in agreement, we're in agreement that they are going to come. We're going to have a packed house, so get here early so that you can have a seat. Amen? Next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, and we cannot wait to think about and meditate on the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On April the 24th, it is Baby Dedication Sunday. If you have a child that you would like to be dedicated on April the 24th, please get in contact with Christina Carp by April the 20th, and we would love to dedicate your child during that service. You can also fill out a form on our website, or you can message us on Facebook. Amen. And last but certainly not least, on May the 1st, International Rainbow Day is still happening. And we are so excited to meet our goal of $500. We're going to watch a short video here in a second that's going to give us a little bit more information about International Rainbow Day. And following our video, Pastor Maria is going to come up. Pastor Maria de Grasso is going to come up and receive our offering. I want to remind you that today 
is Mission Sunday. And it's a blessing to be able to give into the missions field. For those who are out there and they're doing the work of the Lord, you can be a part of something that is so much bigger than you and I by just sowing a seed. And so we invite you to do that today. And at this time, we're going to watch our video about International Rainy Day. International Rhema Day. Listen, if you're out there and you know what Rhema has done and how Rhema has changed, not just others' life, but I can tell you Rhema has personally changed my life and given me a foundation. So before Rhema, I was 39 years old. I was about to turn 40. And to be honest with you, I didn't know where my life was going to go. When I think about two years, two and a half years after that, I'm, I'm such a different person. Um, I, I understand who I am in Christ. I understand what it means to live a life of faith. I've come through a lot in life uh, in terms of uh, coming from a broken home, dealing with uh, issues of self-worth, and it was here where I, I truly understood the power of the Word of God. So before Rama, I was a Christian. I just got out of addiction and all these things, and I was walking with the Lord. I had been given the opportunity here at Rama to leave my past completely behind and step boldly into my future. I have never once been questioned or had my past held against me while I've been here, and that has really allowed me the chance to grow fully in God, to listen to Him, to gain a relationship with Him. And so the things that I've learned here in the classes every day is something that I could have never learned being back at home. And so it was coming and getting the revelation for myself and not living off my family's relationship and what I grew up knowing, but actually sitting in the classes and seeing it all happen for myself. And then on top of that, it's, you know, getting equipped to bring hope, help, and healing to my generation and to go and do the plans and the things that God's called me to do and to know more about it because I could have never done that just sitting at home. When we came here, it was a little bit of, we had a little bit of somewhat anxiety, so you can say. Um, and so, but the entire time we were at peace and when we came here and we started building relationships and as, as we sat in those classrooms, um, our lives were being transformed. Our children's lives were being transformed. Um, it, it just was amazing. It's been amazing. It wasn't until after I graduated high school, I made um, quite a few bad choices, ended up um, ended up incarcerated for some things. For me, Rama, Rama is is family. Rama is life. Rama is hope. Rama is redemption in so many ways from my life. Faith is now, but it's the in Christ realities. It's who we are in Him that makes the difference. You can be a blessing and help Rama continue to train up believers and take the message of Jesus Christ to the world that Jesus saves. Jesus heals and Jesus is coming back again. When you sow into Rama and you become a part of Rama, that what is you're sowing into. That small seed that you give is going into people like me and that is going to turn into a force. Uh, you can't even imagine the rippling effect that you're going to have.
thank you. They are so good. We appreciate them. Hallelujah. T today is um, Mission Sunday, and we'll have this wonderful couple in Cape Verde that is doing a tremendous job. I don't know if they have that day yet. We'll, we'll start it here. And uh, I talk to uh, the wife every week, sometimes two, three times a week. And uh, they are so exciting. The husband just went back. Eric just went back. And uh, they doing tremendous work. And the church is growing. And uh, every Sunday since you went back, they have family coming. And they're kind of pretty full where they are. So we're so excited that they pick up the evangelism, the, the soul hunger that Pastor Jack have, and they take the, that's most thing that they do is go out and bring people to Jesus. So we're so thankful. Thank you for giving to them, okay? We appreciate that, and they so appreciate it. Okay, praise the Lord. I have a couple scripture. And we're going to look at it. I want you to pay attention to those scriptures because we listen to the scripture. We know the scripture when we don't even go to church. And um, John 3.16. God so loved. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. Why he gave him? He plant him as a seed so we can have a lot more children. Because in God's heart, he wanted children. So from the beginning unto eternity, that is his goal. So he plant, he put Jesus under the ground. Plant him as a seed that died and buried. He planted that seed so we can pop out. He have for generation to come until the end, we have him. And in, in the book of um, John, we, all this Jesus talking over here. John chapter 6, 63. Jesus said that, let me read, this is uh, the... Um, Passion translation. The natural realm is of no help. The word I speak to you are spirit and life. So the word that Jesus speaks is a spirit and life. The natural, there is no help. Our help comes in the supernatural, and the word, from the word. So Jesus' word is a spirit. In the spirit, in the realm of the spirit, that's where we get everything that we need. The natural part of us don't produce. Producing a natural, but you're not going to benefit in the spirit. So another scripture so Jesus was a seed, so to get more seed. So it teaches something about the seed. 
that were planted. It's in the book of John again. I, I mean, let's do the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38 or 36. He said to give, this is the seed that's talking to us. He already produced, okay? He already experienced that. So he's telling us what to do about it. He said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And Jesus said in, in the book of John 10, he said that you come, that we might have, what we have? Life and more abundantly to the full until you overflow. So today is the day of overflow, but we have to receive it. Jesus said, give, don't just give, receive. We have to receive from him. The life, this life, don't give us too much, but the life that is in God, give us plenty. That's where the result is. So it's easy to listen to Jesus, isn't it? It's so simple. Even the, the kids, it takes scientists to teach us not to receive. Because it's so simple. You give, so okay, Lord, I give, now I receive. Praise the Lord. Well, over here we receive with the envelope. Uh, those that do envelope, those that don't do envelope, um, we'll have the app over here. You can all do like you do every week. Praise the Lord. And thank you, Jesus, that we do all things in, in order. Thank you, Father. Um, let me see what else we'll do. Uh, how about the roof? We are so thankful, we're so grateful that that roof is working. We have 200 this week. Last week, we, you know, we'll go all up. Uh, we believe that this is paid in full. It's paying off in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. We thank you guys for being so faithful. We're all doing this together, and it'll be done for the kingdom of God. We'll have a, we'll have a lot of things in front of us to do that God wants us to do, and we'll do this together. Let's stand, and we're not going to confess the word. And Don't just confess, just say a word that don't mean anything. This is a great confession, not just here, to take home with you and believe God for whatever you, you need. When you pay God's bill, he pays yours too, okay? Because we are tithers, the windows of heaven are open. The blessing is being poured out because we are sowers. We are furnished in abundance to every good work. We receive jobs, better jobs, raise and bonus, benefits, sales and commissions, settlements, estate and inheritance, interest and income, rebate and returns. We receive check in the mail, supernatural wealth transfer, bail paid off, debts demolished, royalty received, and property acquired. We are getting our buildings, lands, houses, vehicles, and equipment God is bringing into our hands, great big seed, and we are moved forward in, G in faith in Jesus. In <laughs> 
of our life. Sorry. We are command our harvest to come. Harvest, come to us now. Harvest, angel, come. Go get it and bring it to us now in Jesus' name. You believe that? Then tell the angel to go get it for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you, you're free to come and give your offering and your tithing in the, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Pastor Maria, you can come. Glory to God. Thank you, Mom. I'll, I'll keep this here. If you take my last two papers, I'll be in trouble. <laughs> Later on, I'll be in trouble. <laughs> You'll see me trying to figure out some stuff. <laughs> and it will not look good. Bless the Lord. Good morning to you. Happy Palm Sunday to you. Good morning, Gary. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for a time of giving. We take it seriously in this body. We say we don't have to give, but we get to give. So thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for everyone who's represented here. I thank you for your blessing upon them, a blessing upon their family. I just ask, Father, those bills that are unpaid this week that they've been worried about, we thank you that you make a way when there is no way. And so, Father, we ask that you just intervene and, and make yourself real to them this week. Let them know you love them and that you have a way out for them. In Jesus' name, I thank you for your mercy in that case, your mercy in that case, because sometimes it's things we do. <laughs> and we get ourselves into it. But I thank you for the mercy of God. I thank you, Father. We give you honor and glory today for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sir. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. If this is your first time with us, don't forget to uh, fill out that connection card. We're glad to see you today. Don't fill, uh, forget to fill out that connection card and get your gift before you leave. You can see anyone who looks like they know what they're doing, and they'll give you that card. <laughs> you know what I mean. There's people back there that's media. You can see Mr. Eric. You can see an usher. You can see one of the singers. See someone who knows that looks like that. They'll get you to the right person to get your gift. <laughs> Amen. I'm excited about next week, Resurrection Sunday. It's always a joy and an honor to celebrate that with the family. I'm excited about the choir. So choir, those of you who are in the choir, remember, we'll be rehearsing right after service just for a few minutes. We're excited. It's going to be, it's going to sound so good. We had one rehearsal last week and it sounded amazing. I, I, I don't think we need another rehearsal, but we're going to have one. <laughs> <laughs> they sounded so good. I'm excited about the choir. And so uh, come next week. Bring the kids. They're going to have an Easter egg hunt. Easter Bunny is going to be here. And so uh, you could go downstairs and, uh, you know, the kids will enjoy that. Uh, so we're grateful. We know that it's not about the Easter Bunny, right? Everybody understand that? We get that. But the kids like the Easter Bunny. And so if we don't have it here, they're going to have to go out somewhere else and find him. He comes to church. The, our Easter Bunny is a Christian. He comes to church. He got saved a long time ago. So, <laughs> so let them come and be a part of that. Today is the day uh, the world observes uh, Palm Sunday or what the Bible calls Jesus' triumphant entry. It's an exciting day, celebratory day. 
It's not a, a, a it's an awesome day, an exciting day. Uh, the date for Palm Sunday, if you notice, changes. <laughs> it changes from year to year. It's not the same, same because it's, it's, it's attached to Easter there. And Easter, the reason that changes is because uh, it's in relation to the Jewish holiday Passover. And so, and Passover is in accordance with the first full moon in the Hebrew calendar, Nisan. So, this year, the first day of Passover begins in the evening of Friday, April the 15th, and it ends on the evening of Saturday, April the 23rd, just so you know and you're aware of why it keeps like, we celebrated it four weeks earlier. Yeah, it, it, that's why it changes. Uh, the event we are observing today, Palm Sunday, occurs a week before the resurrection of Jesus, and it is the fulfillment of one of the most amazing prophecies in the Bible. It's the fulfillment of that. The day that Jesus would present himself for the first time to the world as the Messiah. Remember, many people try to call him the son of God, and, and he'd say, no, son of man. He never called himself that until he did this particular, on this particular day, he presented himself to the world as the Messiah. You remember Daniel. We've talked about Daniel before all the way over in the Old Testament. Daniel, uh, he was reading a prophecy that Zechariah, a prophet, had prophesied. And it talked about Jesus. And we can see that in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. In Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. So Daniel was reading this. And then Gabriel, the angel, appeared to him. And he gave him this mathematical formula prophecy to where he gave the exact day that this event would happen. The exact day that it would happen. He, it's a whole mathematical thing. 70 years was coming. This whole thing, this angel Gabriel revealed to Daniel. You could read that in Daniel 9 at another time. But think about this. God is very meticulous. He, is, he made sure that Jesus appeared and did this particular thing at the very time that it was supposed to happen. Exactly when it was supposed to happen. If you study the Hebrew calendar and God's signs or the moeds as we call it, you will see that God is a God of order and purpose. He's a God of order and purpose. If he ensured that Jesus' triumphant entry would occur at the exact day it was supposed to and how it was supposed to, guess what? He's coming soon, and he's not going to be late. <laughs> he's going to come exactly when he's supposed to. Amen? Glory to God. Jesus also didn't do anything without a purpose for doing it. And most of the things that Jesus did was to correct things that were done incorrectly before. He righted wrongs. Adam's failure, gone. 
Your failure, gone. My failure, gone. Jesus came and did that. He remastered everything, restored everything. He had a purpose for everything he did. Remember, he came to fulfill the old covenant and to establish the new one that had better promises. Glory to God. And so he righted and corrected a lot of the wrongs uh, that were done before. Glory to God. And so uh, we're going to look at his triumphant entry, but I want us to look at it with a different lens today. Last year, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, some, some fun facts. I love fun facts. You know, some facts that, you know, uh, in, in the Word of God, we talk about the palms and different things. Uh, this year, I want us to look at the two responses that occurred during this event and the events leading up to it because it's very telling and we can learn something from that. The name of this message is called No Offense, Just Praise. Hallelujah. So look first at Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 3. It says, and I'm going to read these quickly. If you want to jot them down, you can and look at them later. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. They came out from the eastern side of the mountain. That in itself fulfilled prophecy. Everything they did fulfilled prophecy. And so uh, Jesus sent two of them, his disciples, on ahead. Verse 2, go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. Look at verse 6 and 7. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. Seven, they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Now, something that we hear oftentimes is, oh, this was a miracle that the people let the donkey go and this was a word of knowledge and all of this. Do you know that in that day and in that culture, it was normal, it was highly usual that they followed master rabbis, that individuals. So remember, Jesus studied in the temple at the age of 12, and he astounded those with his, that were there, other rabbis, with his knowledge of the scriptures. Well, that's what all the young lads did. They studied the first five books of the Bible, or the Pentateuch, as we call it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They studied those. Out of that group of individuals who did that came the best of the best. And the best of the best became the master rabbis. And it was no, not unusual at all for men to follow these individuals. They still do that today. They drop everything they're doing and they follow them. So we say when Jesus called the 12, that was amazing. No, they did that all the time. Master rabbis did that all the time. And Jesus was the best of the best. He, they called him master. They called him rabbi. They called him uh, leader, teacher. That's what a rabbi is. And so it was, not, it was not unusual for people to follow them. In fact, they built rules around that type of discipleship. 
They called it uh, wearing the dust of the rabbi when they followed the individuals. That's what they called it. And they built rules around that type of discipleship. So if a man was married, like Peter, they had to come home within 30 days unless they got special permission from the wife. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> They're probably like, I asked her and she said that was fine. <laughs> I can go for three months. She won't care. And so, uh, but you see, that's why Jesus came back to Peter's house, remember? And he healed his mother-in-law. So they traveled and they came back. This was no, so we got to get that out of our heads that, oh, this holy man. They, he was holy, yeah, but he functioned as a man. And so they followed him. So in part of that discipleship, it was not unusual for the rabbi to tell them, this is what I need you to do. And you did anything that was needful to be discipled by that rabbi. And so when Jesus said, go get the donkeys, they said, the Lord needs them, the master needs them, the rabbi needs them. And they said, go ahead, take them. They, everybody knew that this is, this is how the culture was. So it wasn't a miracle that the donkeys were released and they didn't ask any questions. You know, we hear things like that. No, it was usual. Not, none of this was unusual. But it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. And so now, before we go to John and read the actual event that we're celebrating today, I want us to look at another significant event because I don't know if you realize, this event changed everything in Jesus' ministry, everything in his life. And it happened uh, a few weeks before this. And this is going to help us better understand the responses to Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It was the resurrection of his friend Lazarus. That event changed everything in Jesus' life and ministry. How many of you know if you resurrect your friend from the dead, you'll get a lot of attention? <laughs> Mr. Barry was dead. She put his hands on him, and Mr. Barry's alive. And he's sitting eating breakfast at the table. We got to go see this. Well, that's how it was with Lazarus. He raised Lazarus from the dead, but... It didn't get attention because of that reason. It got attention for other reasons. Remember when they told Jesus that Lazarus was dying? And he said, okay. <laughs> and what about healing? <laughs> Move with compassion. Continued on whatever he was doing. He did not leave. Then they said, Lazarus is dying. <laughs> okay. Continued what he was doing. He didn't leave. He didn't leave. Well, that was very significant, very significant. Because in that day, you'll remember they had different sects, or we could say denominations for clarity purposes. <laughs> you know, we have our Baptists, you know, and all that. Well, we'll just call them denominations. So they had the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection at all. They didn't believe. And some would say, that's why they're sad, you see. Okay. So then you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but they believed in the resurrection within three days. Within three days, someone can come back. Within three days, you can raise them from the dead. They, that's what they believed. And they based that on teachings they had. They, you know, Elijah and the things, the stories they had in the Old Testament. That's how they came up with that. They believe in the resurrection, but within three days. Jesus didn't come back within three days. Jesus waited. Jesus waited, and again, everything he does 
he does with purpose. Everything. And so if you'll remember in John chapter 11, verse 25, Mary and Martha, you know, read, uh, met him in the road and they're like, dude, where you been? He's died. He's been dead for three days now. It's passing the time. And Jesus told her in verse 25 of John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Basically, he told her that the resurrection doesn't have to happen within three days. It can happen on any day I want it to happen. That's what Jesus told him. It can happen any day that I want it to happen. Then he proved that when he raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead three days. Amen? Well, news traveled about that incident. And the response from the religious leaders was extremely sad. We see that response all around the world today. And that's something we can learn from. It was negative. The religious leaders, remember, tried to entrap Jesus so many times. So many times they came with questions and scenarios to try to trap him. But the wisdom of God that flowed from him <laughs> could not be matched. And that offended them. It offended them. Remember, they spent their time just as he did, studying. And I'm sure they put that one person who was the best of the best out front there to ask the question. And that person still didn't know the things that God had revealed to Jesus. He had no idea of those things that God revealed through him. And instead of embracing that, instead of them trying to seek more understanding from God. They got offended. And we see where that offense led them. A man who loved God, who was loved by his family, loved by Jesus himself, loved by many, died way too soon. And Jesus returned him to his family, whole, complete, full of life. And they got mad about it. They got offended about it. This is a glorious thing. Lazarus lives again. They got so mad that they gave, it gave momentum to the plot to kill Jesus. And they were so mad, they included Lazarus in the plot too. We're going to kill him too. Yeah, again, like Jesus couldn't raise him again, right? But that's what offense will do. It opens the door to that. And so it'll make you do things that you thought you would never do and things that don't make sense. Look at Judas. He was the treasurer of Jesus' ministry. But we don't call him that. When we talk about Judas, we call him the traitor, the betrayer. We don't, call, we don't call him anything good, Judas. In fact, we call people who stab us in the back Judas, <laughs> right? That's not, when you call someone Judas, it is not a good thing. You're not telling them, oh, you're good with handling money. No, he's not known for that. He has a reputation. Well, it didn't start that way. 
I mean, Jesus knew who was going to betray him. Jesus knew all that. If you look in Luke that she just read in Luke chapter 6, it say he knew. He knew who was going to betray him. He knew who was going to come and try to entrap him. He knew all that. But he had to rely on the wisdom of God on how to deal with that. But he embraced Judas. Judas dropped what he was doing like the others and followed. He saw something in him. And so he followed him. And he had conversations with Jesus just as the other 11 did. Wonderful conversations with Jesus, I'm sure. And then can you see when Jesus put him in as treasurer, if there was something going on at that point with his thievery, who would have been the first one to speak up and call that out? Peter. Peter would have been like, him? He steals. <laughs> so he didn't call him out. So somewhere along the line, it started to get worse for Judas. Well, where did that start happening? It not start happening, but where, where did that become a problem? <laughs> in Jesus' ministry. We'll look at that. Because think about it. Look at, before we go there, look at Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 6. It says, Then he, Jesus, called his 12 disciples together. How many did he call? 12. And gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. Five, and whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Six, so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Who went? The 12. All of them went. Doesn't say all of them departed except Judas because he's a traitor. No. All of them departed. And they were all used by God to heal the sick. And it tells you everything, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Judas was a part of this. If he wasn't, the word would have said, you know, because the devil was... The word would have told us. But it says the 12 went. So, at one point, he was all in, like the other disciples. He was all in. Now, he was stealing, <laughs> but he was all in, all in from the disciple, with the disciples. He became the officer of the ministry at one point. And so, how can someone who was so all in and intimately acquainted with Jesus appear to be all in for those years and then betray him? If you look at the beginning of John, it gives us the account. It's again at the house. It's the final time Jesus would be at the house of his friend Lazarus, Mary and Martha. He, he went there a lot. And so it was the final time he was there. And if you remember, uh, if you remember that uh, Mary... Some, some translations, I mean, some of the Gospels don't say the name, some do. I like Matthew's account, actually. Um, look at Matthew 6, let's, uh, 26, I'm sorry, uh, and look at verse 6. It tells us about Mary who poured the expensive oil on Jesus. And when she did, the disciples, John actually calls Judas by name, got upset. Look at verse 8. It says, what a waste, they said. Nine, it could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Then ten, 
But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Look at verse 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests right after this and asked, how much will you pay me to betray you, to betray Jesus to you? Can you see that? He said, I'm going to get my money one way or another. They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And it says what? 16. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. He got offended. He didn't like the answer that Jesus came back at him with. Didn't like it. And Judas was amongst those a lot of them were. A lot of the disciples were. Peter, even in the garden. They thought Jesus was coming to be king and to free them from Roman rule. When they heard king, they're like, we're going to be free from Roman oppression. They weren't looking at him to be free from, you know, sin and all of that that we look at today. And so Judas was like, this is not that guy. He's not going to raise a sword. He's over here letting a woman pour oil all over him. He's not that guy. And so he got offended. And this was a turning point in Judas' life. The seed of offense was planted. And it began to grow and change him. And it will do the same to us. When a person becomes offended, it's as if he puts on a new pair of glasses. His perspective changes. And the lenses of those glasses expose all the things of the other person they dislike. They can no longer see anything good about the person or about the situation. They see all the faults, flaws, and places where they disagree. And that's what began to happen. That's what happened to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus could have said beautiful things, wonderful things, and he did. But they always found fault. They always found the negative. And that's what offense will do. It's what happened to the religious leaders. It's what happened to Judas. And we'll be observing Good Friday uh, this Friday. And so I wanted to make mention of that because the person who was very close to Jesus assisted getting him on that cross. Offense took him there. John 13, 2 says, And supper being ended, the devil already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Judas didn't come to this on his own. But he was a tool of the devil because he left the door open to him. The devil had access to him because he was greatly offended by everything that Jesus did. But we see when it took that turn and he immediately went and said, okay, yeah, I'm going to hand him over to you. Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Offense is a powerful thing. We read uh, for the past few weeks, Ephesians 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. 
Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This is something we have to pursue. It doesn't just happen automatically. We have to pursue it and become skillful in this. And offense is something we have to consistently guard ourselves against because it's a big part of what the devil will use in the lives of everybody, of anybody. We give him access. It's a big part of his scheme. And we see in the word that offense will keep us from receiving from God. It kept them from receiving from Jesus. It said he couldn't heal because they were offended. How could you? You were born to Joseph and Mary. You're a carpenter's son. What can you do for us? They were so offended. It said he could not. Not he did not. He could not heal any of them, save just the little, little things here and there. Offense will stop us from receiving from Jesus. And so we're coming off of a glorious event, the resurrection of Lazarus, and we see the response of the religious leaders. We see the response of Judas. They're now even more intentional on their plot to kill him. But something else is happening to those who truly believe and follow Jesus. Let's see their response. Remember, Jerusalem at this time was a time filled with celebration. It wasn't just um, an observance. It was a celebration. It's the Sunday before Passover. And, and, and Passover is a celebration of their liberation from the bondage they endured in Egypt. The mood is, is festive. It's joyous. And this is all happening during that time. And then we, let's look at uh, John chapter 12 and verse 12. It says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, 13 took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. We just read that in Zechariah. Years, decades, five decades before this event happened, Daniel knew the exact day it was going to happen. Prophecy fulfilled. Hallelujah. Then it says in verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they were with him when he called, La oh wait, and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people, here we go, who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. Again, news traveled about this. 
The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing? Look, the world has gone after him. <laughs> that they're a bit exaggerating, right? <laughs> but that's the, see? <laughs> the whole world has gone after him. <laughs> and then it says in verse 20, now there were certain Greeks, they might not be wrong, among them who came up to worship at the feast. 21, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. The crowd that accompanied Jesus down the mountain, remember, very festive, rejoicing, probably eating a piece of bread or something good. You know, there's a lot of food during this celebration. And so they're over there just talking amongst themselves probably. And someone said, were you there? How close were you to the action when he raised Lazarus from the dead? Did you see him come out of the tomb? I saw it with my own two eyes. It was amazing. What? I didn't hear about it. You got to fill me in. Well, it was after three days. Now they're talking about this because this was amazing to them. They met together with Jesus and the disciples. It's like they were rehearsing all the things that Jesus had done. And the disciples didn't understand what was happening, but something started happening on the inside of them that stirred them up, and they began to praise him. They were like, oh. <laughs> they began to praise him. They got so loud in praising him that others came and joined them. They came and joined as they were coming down the mountain, as they were going in. Then people started taking off, some say prayer shawls, clothes, whatever it was, laying it down on the ground before them, the palm. Remember, the palm was what they ador adorned their, you know, their uh, temples with. And it was, you know, for honor and dignity. And they put it on their coin, you know. And so they began to spread those out for him too. And they began to say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, calling him the king. Now, we talked about that last year. Some of that was, king, deliver us from the Romans. He's coming to deliver us from the Romans. But the praise that was on the inside of them just begin to rise up. It was contagious. It awakened the praise on the person on the left and the right to the, to the point where it was like, have you ever been in church? <laughs> We went to this church back in the day. His, his name was Donaldson. I don't know if anybody knows Pastor Donaldson. Pastor Donaldson had a church in Brockton, I believe it was. And so they invited us to come out and be a part of service. And we were like used to church. I grew up in church. I've been to many churches. I never went to a church like Mr. Donaldson's church. They had about 50 tambourines. We were good to have one. And you had the mamas, you know, with the tambourines. And when they play, I mean they play. And we had a Jericho march around the whole church. We were marching and praising and, whoo, this one would yell out, he did this for me, he paid my bill, you know. He did this, I got my Jerry curl out, you know. And whatever it was, they were praising God for everything. And we were just praising, I'm like, we were, I was probably seven years old, you know, and I'm just like, they are really praising God. Well, it's contagious. We didn't sit down. You couldn't sit down. It, was, it awakened the praise on the inside of me. That's why when we come to church, it's important that we praise God for ourselves. And maybe someone sitting next to us who's having a hard time. 
it will awaken the praise on the inside of them. Praise is contagious. It changes the atmosphere. It invites God. Lift up your heads. <laughs> it invites him, the king of glory, into the situation. Amen? Glory to God. So the crowd that accompanied him began to do that. And then you can hear the frustration in, in this, that's, that response is going on to all this praise. and all to, it, it's, Look, the whole world is going after him. It's like, come on now. There's two responses going on. Such great praise and adoration and acknowledging who this individual is. For the first time, he's allowing it and presenting himself as the Messiah. Glory to God. And then we see immediately following that, that Greeks wanted to see Jesus. This is the first. You don't understand. It was all Jews. The Greeks are wanting to see him. And Jesus explained to them what you were kind of saying, that unless a seed dies and goes in the ground, he's telling them what's about to happen. That went completely over their heads, as you could imagine. Huh? Why is he talking to us about a seed again? We just did this whole thing, and now he's talking to us. What is he talking about? He was telling them. We're ready for this. <laughs> We're almost done. We see immediately following this that the Greeks wanted to see Jesus. And then after that, it opened the door for others to come to him. That was the start of it. That was the start of it. On one end, it fueled and revealed the offense that was in Judas and the religious leaders. The event of Lazarus and the triumphant entry. And then on the other hand, it encouraged, strengthened, and inspired those who were true followers of Jesus. And when they yielded to that and began to praise him, it stirred up the people around them. Hallelujah. It awakened something in them, and more people groups began to come to him. It opened that door, and we see that continue throughout the book of Acts when the early church and the Gentiles came to know Jesus. And I believe the closer we get to his coming, we're going to see even more people groups come to him. Amen? That was the door. That was the door that opened it. Glory to God. So as a true follower of Jesus, uh, team, you can get ready. Hallelujah. As a true follower of Jesus, there are things that take place in our lives. We know that. They bring us to a place of decision. Our response in that moment of decision will determine what transpires next in our life. Will you give the devil the opportunity to use you for his purposes? Or will you allow Jesus, the king of glory, to enter into that situation? Will you allow him to come into that situation? Will you praise him even during the messiest or toughest times and toughest seasons in your life? Will you let your praise to God awaken the praise in someone else's life? Amen? Say, no offense, just praise. Just praise. Just praise. That's what we were designed to do. 
That's what we were designed to do. Amen? We were designed to praise and worship our Father. And the Word of God says to let Him come in. Let Him enter in. Amen? Let Him enter in. And so we, we have a choice to make. This morning, I want us to just take a minute and tell Him, come on. Come on. Come on in. We just want to be with you. We just want to be with you. We acknowledge who you are. You are the king of glory. Not from afar. Not because they said so. Not because they witnessed it. Not because they were a part of it. But because it's real to me. You're real to me. You are my king of glory. You are my king of healing. You are my king of peace and joy. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. King of glory, fill this place. Tell him. King of glory, fill this. King of glory. Watch him do it, King of my peace.
of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. We've not exhausted the revelation that we can receive. And so we open our hearts to you. And Father, I ask that you would make real the power of the resurrection. All through this week, we open our hearts to you, King of glory. We ask that you have your way in our lives. We surrender completely to you. We withhold nothing from you because you've withheld nothing from us. And so we thank you for your power. When you come, you bring your power. You bring your peace. You bring your strength. You bring your joy. You manifest peace in our lives. And so we receive it all. We receive you. And we let you know that we love you with all of our hearts, our minds, and our strength. Glory to God. Let's sing it one more time. And you are dismissed to go this morning. King of glory. Wednesday night, we'll be having a special time of prayer and communion. So come and be a part of that. That will be our Good Friday service. We'll be having it on Wednesday. Come and be a part of prayer and communion, 7 p.m. God bless you. We love you.